Hey guys, today's episode of Table 40 on the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network is presented by our Increase Store and our Bible in a Year Engagement Journal, which you should pick up your copy today, especially with Matt and Leslie going through the Bible in a year. This is the companion that's going to help you, the guy that's going to help you through the passages of Scripture each and every day. You want to get this journal right now at theincrease.com theincrease.com. It's affordable and it's the perfect companion to help you grow in your faith and to stay connected to God through his word each and every day. The Bible in a Year Engagement Journal. Get yours today at theincrease.com. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Table 40 Podcast. As we continue to work our way through uh, the Bible in a year, Leslie and I are sitting here as we are about to talk a little bit through Job and Matthew as we continue through uh, Old Testament and then New Testament and then Psalms and Proverbs. Absolutely. And we're going to start on day 31. So if you've been following along with us, we're doing the Bible engagement plan that you can you can find and grab your own um, at theincrease.com. And it's just theincrease, one word, dot com. And it, you're, it's never too late to start. And so, right, babe, I mean, we just got through Genesis. We're into Job. We've got a lot of year left. And it's just never too late to start start downloading the word of God and getting into a practice of getting into the word of God daily. I do think that it helps shape your mindset for the day and um, and gives you a fresh perspective as you as you navigate the days yeah i think you can the good thing is is we're about to start new books right yeah be a couple, next couple of days yeah uh so it'd be a good time to to jump in and and uh and start up yeah and go with us on this journey i try to post every day on instagram about the things that i felt the holy spirit um was teaching me during the time when i was when i was reading this for myself my own personal growth and development um but jackson left this weekend and so I was um, a little behind. I read it, but I didn't have time to put my thoughts together. And so Jax is starting his journey. He left for his first spring training and it was bittersweet for sure. Super sweet because we know what it's like. And spring training was, I mean, those were some of our very favorite memories for sure, but it was a sure hard to say goodbye because we love having him here every single day. And the dogs absolutely miss him. I was telling you just a little bit ago that our big guy, Duke, and DJ, his uh, little friend, go and scratch on the door, which that's not my favorite. But they go in there and they sit in his room. They're waiting on him to come home, too. So they're they're going to have a, a long wait. We're going to have to fly southwest somewhere to uh, <laughs> put DJ and Duke on as therapy dogs and go see Jackson this summer. So anyway, um, sorry about that. Sorry I didn't do my my daily my daily thoughts. But that's what was going on. Um, it's trying to be fully present those last couple of days that he was home. So, um, all right, let's get going. Day 31. Uh, let's do what we did the last couple of times. Let's go through Job and then we'll go through Matthew and maybe highlight a Psalm or a proper proverb if we, um, if we feel like we should, have time. if we have time. All right. Matthew 19. Um, we are just going through again, like with Job and his friends. And so we're going to shorten their names to Bill. And so on Job Job 19 and day 31, Job's responding to Bill. And he asks this question, how long will you torment, torment me and crush me with your words? 
And it seems that Job is begging his friends for mercy, but they don't offer mercy. Instead, they offer judgment. And I think as we read through Job and we we continue to read uh, the dialogue uh, with Job and his buddies, a theme that I feel like the Holy Spirit was was placing on my heart as I was reading through this was just how hard his friends were on him. And they looked at the consequence that was evident in Job's life. But it's like they forgot about the heart of Job and all they were focused on was the suffering that he was going through. And they didn't offer him mercy. Instead, they just judged the circumstance. It's like they forgot who he he was. And I felt like as you read Job 19, you could feel his pain. In verse 10, Job says that God has torn him down on every side and has uprooted his hope like a tree. And I do think that the way when when I read that, I thought, oh my gosh, I I feel like I've been there before. There've been times in my life where I have felt that way. Like I I just felt hopeless, like God had uprooted my hope. And um, anyway, what do you think about that, Matt? Well, it's a heavy book. Again, yeah, this is a tough one. Um, I I just think that like, it, it goes to me like, look, are you, you know, I think sometimes as friends, we should look in the mirror and make sure that we don't have any of these characteristics that job's friends have and and that may not look like exactly like what job is talking like his friends where we're basically you know but i think when you talk about how good a friend you are and and whether you encourage people and um what what kind of influence do you have on your friends mm-hmm. and what kind of do you build them up do you tear them down do you encourage them um i know my friends and like when i think about some of my friends and the ones that are really good encouragers and the ones that you want to be around are, are, uh, are the ones that, that listen well and, and aren't judgmental and easy to talk to and easy to share with. And I, I guess when I think about Job and his friends, I think about <clears throat> just kind of my relationships with my friends and what kind of friend I want to be and what kind of encourager how would i want to handle hope that i would handle a situation where a friend was going through i mean just total destruction and and what are they doing they're not being friends and so um it's it's hard to sometimes it's hard to read and and read through job with with uh i don't know i guess it's just it's just uh it's a difficult read it is a difficult read and i think we we do see we can we can look at um job and we can look at job 19 and we can see areas of of complaints, just like we talked about. I mean, um, it talks about how, uh, you know, he's hopeless. He's uprooted his hope like a tree. God's uprooted his hope like a tree. And then you get a couple verses later. And this is one of my absolute favorite verses in scripture. I think about it an awful lot. And, um, and it's Job 19, 23 through 24. And it says, oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in a rock forever. I know that my redeemer lives and in the end he will stand on earth. And I think like just that deep conviction that he had, like I know that my redeemer lives and in the end, the redeemer will stand on earth. Um, And I just think that that was really incredible and really, really powerful. And um, you know, on this side of eternity, suffering is, I mean, it, it's it's around us everywhere. You, there, I, it's in, inescapable. But I think that um, it's a beautiful, beautiful truth, and and it really does paint a picture of um, suffering that's appropriate. Yeah, express your deepest hurt to the Lord. 
hundred percent. We should we should be confident to go before Jesus and express our deepest pain and our deepest hurt with as many words as we need to use to express our pain and our hurt. But at the same time, hold on as a non-negotiable that you know that your redeemer lives and in the end he's going to stand um on this earth. And I think that I think it's beautiful. Like one day we are going to see Jesus face to face, even um, if this day we're we're suffering and suffering is inescapable. Um, and so anyway, and I also think on this day we learned in Job 21, 1 through 34, Job challenges, we're going to call him Zoe. He challenges his line of thinking. And Job says um, that the wicked actually do prosper. Of course, their prosperity is temporary, but from the outside, wicked people do look successful. It seems that they are happy and they die in peace. And it seems that Job is starting to make a clear connection that projected image is not always an accurate assessment of what's going on with a man's soul. And I think that Zoe, and, and we see this uh, throughout throughout um, the relationship with Job and his friends, is that again, they're making this assumption that because his circumstances are so dire, there must be um, unconfessed sin in the life of Job. And so they're, they're associating um, um, suffering with sin. And, and Job is like, I don't know, I, I'm going to challenge your line of thinking here. Um, wicked people actually do prosper. And we do see that an awful lot. And I think that this is a beautiful truth that we can learn um, when we're studying the book of Job, because I think sometimes we we convince ourselves when we go through things that are very difficult, it must have been my fault. And um, I think that that's something that that we need to stop doing. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think when you and sometimes I think we we look at successful people or maybe more successful than us and we know and we go, what you know, I, I think that that is something that we we do sometimes as a society is we we think that people that were bigger sinners than we are that have more success than us, we ask God why they get to have success. And so I think that that speaks to a lot of us. I know I've I've asked that before, why, you know, why why is God blessing this person when I know all the the things that they're doing yeah um and so i, I think that that's that's in in just straight up real life like people everybody in every walk of life whether you, i mean you there's people in your line of work or your line of your your circle of of life where you look at them and go man that dude is a bad human and he is having tons of success or he is on the in the worldly standards he's very successful um, things seem to be really going well for him and me, I'm pursuing God. I am, um, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing Jesus and I can't catch a break or yeah. I'm struggling with this, or we have health issues or we have this, or we have that. And I think just real, like everybody has people in their life that they say, they say that about. That's right. And so I think that, that when you talk about like Job is like, a, yeah, like his friends and like everybody you know, I think is is it's certainly applicable to our 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 day and age. Well, you know, people think that stuff now too. Absolutely, and I think the beautiful part of scripture is is uh, God tells us these things, and we get to have this dialogue, like a, a a dialogue that's been recorded between friends and a person that's going through something that's really difficult, and you get to hear kind of his thoughts, the one going through the difficult part, and then we get to hear kind of like an observation that's founded in. Um, really emotions or observations that they saw at the time, you know, so it's really cool. And then God's up here watching the whole thing. And of course he speaks by the end of today, today, the, the Lord starts to speak. And that's when Job gets really good. 
But when we're looking at day 32, um, we're in Job 22 through 24, 25. And it's a dialogue between Job and his friends continue. Um, this time it's Eli and Eli focuses his attack on Job's sins. And he kind of details those sins. And it's pretty, it's pretty shady, honestly. He's like, and this and this and this and this. And Job responds in chapter 23, and Job seems to withdraw him from his friends. He's like, about time. yeah, he's withdrawing from the friends and his primary focus is on God. And the, and the dialogue is more geared towards God. And it seems that he's wondering about God. He's like, where is he? Who can oppose him? Why doesn't God set times for judgment? And he's just wondering and pondering these things about the Lord. And, and that's what meditating on God is, is, is being free to to wonder like w-o-n-d-r and in like like meditate on what scripture says about whatever topic it is that's on your heart and that's what that's what job was doing here and job 23 11 through 12 says this my feet have closely followed his steps i have kept to his way without turning aside i have not departed from the commands of his lips and i've treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread and again do you remember at the very beginning when God said Job was righteous. This is this is evidence of that identity that God gave Job is that he treasures the Lord even when things are going terrible in his life. We have evidence of Job consistently like my redeemer lives. He said that last week. However, he was struggling and he also expressed his sadness and expressed his struggle very honestly. He felt hopeless. However, he knew that his redeemer lived. And here's Job like meditating on God. And then he's obviously very open about where he is and honest about the state of affairs. He's not he's not avoiding pain. He's talking about his pain. He's talking about his suffering. But at the same time, he says these things about the Lord. And he says, I treasure the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. And I think that that's the rhythm in life. And that's the goal when we go through things that are difficult in life to be able to express how we feel honestly and know that our feelings and our tears and our sadness and our disappointment like the lord hears it all and in revelation it says like he 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 just all of our tears everything will be healed and may will be made whole and um he catches all of our tears and i like the pic i like that picture so we should never run away from god when we're sad or when we're suffering and we should bring all of our hurts to him but at the same time Again, hold is a non-negotiable that that God is sovereign and God is in control and treasure him. And so treasure relationship with the Lord. All right. Day 33 is Job 25, 1 through 29. Um, and Job, um, Job, I'm sorry, through chapter 29, 25. So Job 27 teaches us that he still maintains his integrity and innocence. Job's holding on to that. It seems that Job can recognize that his suffering, um, or I'm sorry, recognizing his suffering, uh, that he still has hope in God, which is really cool. We just talked about that. Um, and he makes an interesting observation in Job 27, 7, 7 through 10. Um, what hope does the godless have in suffering? We all experience suffering in life, but as a Christian, we're going to suffer different. We have a different perspective because of the gospel of Jesus Christ we hope in Christ and hope never disappoints. And I think that that's true. Um, would you like to speak on that at all? Yeah. I mean, I, I think when you talk about like, when you go through suffering, you go through hard times and like talking about the faithfulness of Job. And I, and I think like, like when you talk about that, like 
what do the people that don't have that don't believe in Jesus or don't have hope in in Christ and don't have hope in a a world and a life um after this one and I, and I think to me that like I don't know I just uh there to me there's no other option like look I mean Jesus is and then it's going to be difficult and there's going to be tough times but um to me there's no other option like there's hope in Jesus and maybe um you sometimes you don't see it on this side of, of heaven but I think that knowing that that there is there is a place a seat at the table a room in the house um that a place has been made for you um and 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 next to and, and living all you know eternally with god is 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 the hope that i think some of us need absolutely and, and, and sometimes you're going through hard things and and to be able to really meditate and think about heaven and what that's like and and sometimes that's very helpful um and taking your eyes off of your surroundings or off of your circumstances that that there is real and then sometimes i think even for me like the graspness of of the beauty and the um, i guess the uh, amazingness of 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 heaven sometimes is 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 hard for us to even imagine because you can't see it and touch it right now um but i think that that really focusing on what that might look like sometimes will give us a, a, a hope that we might need in a, in a, in a dark day. That's right. That's right. And in Job 29, um, he pours out his heart. He reflects on the sweetness of his past and admit, admits that he thought his life would be different. I mean, all of us can relate to that. There's sweetness in all of our stories. And there are times when we think, my gosh, I, I thought life would be different, especially if life has taken a turn that, um, like Job's, like he lost everything. He lost all of his money. He lost his family. He's very, very sick. Um, but it seems like Job is expressing something that most of us can relate to. When life is good, we feel the presence of God. However, when life is hard, we make assumptions about God's presence and we assume that God has left us. Um, Job says he longs for days when God was watching over him. But because we've read this whole story, we do know that uh, God is in fact carefully watching over Job. So how do we apply this truth to our life? We have to stand firm on the truth, especially in tough seasons of life. If you're in Christ, you're never alone and God will never leave you. Um, what do you think about that? I think that it's so incredibly true. And I love how the word of God is, is alive and active because I know when I read this, um, I, I, <laughs> I thought, you know, it, this is what we do. Like we feel when life is good, we feel real connected to God. And we feel like he's watching over us. He's blessing us. God is sovereign. I'm in agreement with his plan. Like everything's great. And then when life is hard, we're like, what the heck? Where are you? I mean, you know, have, have you seen that little meme? Are they called memes where it's the picture of the guy and he says, Lord, I'm praying for the, the benefits package for the for 2024. I don't want the suffering package for 2024 or whatever year this is, 2023. And I think that that is pretty, pretty true. All of us want a life that that doesn't include hard things. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that desire, but I also think that God is with us when things are difficult. And, um, and anyway. I think as we talk about like appreciating the mundaneness or like a, a, a day that seems sort of like nothing happened, maybe not exciting or maybe nothing, but like appreciating your, what is it you always used to say is like appreciating the, mundane yeah but like 
not all your days are going to have these mountaintop experiences, yeah. but learning to like appreciate yeah. just a day where it's kind of a, an ordinary day. Yeah, an ordinary day. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it is. An ordinary day is such a gift. And, and we should be people that pay attention a little bit more to those ordinary days. And, um, you know, it, it's important to do that. And day 34, Job 30, um, we get into just, he's lamenting. Um, his present suffering, but he's also expressing the ways that he's been faithful to God. In Job 34, where we are introduced to a new character, a new friend. Um, so he's a young guy. He's a, he's a young man that's clearly angry at Job and his friends. And this guy is super righteous in his eyes. And his name's Elihu. And so um, we're going to learn more about him on the next day. Day 35 through 37, I combine these days. I told you guys this at the beginning of the podcast. Um I hung out with Jackson. I enjoyed those last ordinary days we had with our boy and um, I hung out with him. But we are continuing to listen to uh, Job's arrogant friend, Elihu. And we can see clearly that um, this group maintains that Job is guilty of sin and they can't fathom his innocence because of the circumstances in his life. And we've talked about that. That's been something that's been on continual repeat, um, that the circumstances determine uh, in their mind, this relationship with God. And it seems like Elihu may have been the originator of the prosperity gospel. And again, I, I thought about that because in Job 36, 11 through 12, um, it's just how it felt when I read it. And I mean, obviously that's probably not accurate, but it did feel that way that um, when we read Job 36, 11 through 12, as I was reading it, it says, if they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity, in their years in contentment. But if they do not listen, they will perish by sword and die without knowledge. And so I guess um, I don't like that. You know, I think that that's really dangerous theology to where if you obey and serve the Lord, you'll spend the rest of your days in prosperity. And we know that's not true. We both live long enough to know that that's not true. I know very obedient Christians. Um, that have lived very, very difficult lives and their suffering has been very intense. And so I, I think that that's dangerous theology, thinking you can manipulate God with with your quote unquote good behavior. Well, I mean, just look at the old, I mean, look at the New Testament. I mean, all of his disciples died except for one. Mm -hmm. I mean, and a lot of them were very- Well, they all died. Well, I'm saying like cruel, like, <laughs> yeah, like not, they weren't like laying in, you know, sort of paradise- yeah. Uh, and just of old age passed away. Yeah. A lot of them were were killed cruelly or died in jail or, you know, spent. I mean, that 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 whole theology is blown up by by the Bible. Yeah. And it's dangerous. Y'all, it, it, that's dangerous. And so if that's where you land right now, we need to we need to really get serious about um, maybe John Piper is a good place to go and, and read like just Google prosperity gospel, John Piper, and, and you'll get a real good lesson there. But I think it's just important. Like you can't manipulate the Lord and, um, and just, just know that that's true because that's a, that's a reality that um, you need to come to terms with really, really quickly in, in your journey with Jesus. So suffering just is part of life outside the garden. Um, and I, a thing I thought about too, Matt, and we talked about this throughout this week and this is again a theme that that we see in scripture um this week and and i just think that if you have friends like job i'm i'm really tr sorry about that and i think that we need to be friends that that cry with those that are suffering we extend mercy we extend grace with those that are suffering 
and and we don't have all the answers. And I think that that's super important and that's okay. Like we don't have the answers why, you know, quote unquote, good things, because none of us are good, but good things happen to bad, bad things happen to good people. Right. And none of us are, you know what I'm saying? Like all of us are, you know, (laughs) we're all the same, the foot of the cross. But the point is, is like, we don't know why these things happen and we don't know why certain families experience unimaginable suffering over and over again. But what we can do as believers is offer the ministry of presence. And I think that that's powerful. And we can be people that extend mercy and extend grace and sometimes sit in uncomfortable silence because we don't have to have all the answers because Jesus Jesus does. And Jesus is the only one that can provide the comfort that um, we can't provide, but we can sure sit with them and love them. And uh, Job 38 through 40 Verse two, uh, the Lord speaks. And this is this is so cool. And I when I read this, I just smiled from ear to ear because I thought, okay, like Job's been wanting God to talk to him this whole entire time. And finally, Lord, the Lord speaks. And it says, the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. And that to me is such a, it's a short verse, but it carries a lot of weight in my mind. And so Job is in this storm of life and it's it's terrible, but out of the storm, the Lord speaks. And I thought as I was reading this, that our um, behavioral will follow our belief. And I think that God is establishing a proper belief in who he is. And I think Job has kind of an idea, but now he's about to get a real idea of the power and the almightiness of God. And, um, and he says, the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. And it says, who is that that obscures my plans without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. And I'm sure there was this, uh oh, you know, what's next kind of thing with Job. But I just think that it's beautiful because what we believe about God will determine our behavior. And God is so gracious to sit Job down and say, This is who I am. There's things you've gotten right, but there's things that you didn't get quite right. And um, and that's exactly what Job desired. Um, He wanted God to answer him. So out of the gate, God reminds Job that Job doesn't have the capacity to understand the divine plans of God. And God starts with creation. And he reminds Job like, hey, you weren't even there when this thing started. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. And I just highly recommend if you haven't read any of this at all, really spend some time, grab a cup of coffee and read Job 38 through 42. And you're going to start to develop a proper perspective of of God and it's going to be powerful and um it's it's so necessary you know and so I think for me it fires me up like and it, it it's easier to submit to God when you read God like this you know what I mean by that yeah. like sometimes I think as Christians we've done a t- we've done a I don't know how is the right word. I was about to say terrible job. And maybe that is the right word. But I do think that we've made God too casual. And uh, I think that that Job 38 through 42 will um, will make God not so casual. So I highly recommend you spend some time in the word. All right. Back to day 31. We're going through Matthew. Uh, Matthew 21, 1 through 17. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. Um and it says Jesus is the Messiah and he's fulfilling a prophecy. And, and the, that prophecy is is uh, declared in, in the Old Testament. And um, so the whole thing, like the palm leaves and, and all the stuff and the donkey and everything was fulfilling a prophecy in the Old Testament. And, and those people knew that. And, and I think that that's 
incredibly cool. Um, and so he's he's rolling into Jerusalem um, as a king. And Matthew 21, 12 through 17 is a passage of scripture that reminds us that kindness and gentleness doesn't equal weakness. And it's important to have an accurate understanding of Jesus Christ. He's the lion and the lamb. And I think that that's something that um, that we need to do a better job of, of as being imitators of Jesus, like imitating holistically, like Jesus is the lion and Jesus is the lamb. And so there's a gentleness and a fierceness to Jesus Christ. And we need to get an accurate view of Jesus. Um, it's so incredibly important because we're called to be imitators and ambassadors of Jesus. So an accurate view of Jesus Christ is uh, of utmost importance. Yeah, I always like that phrase when people say, don't mistake kindness for weakness. That's right. Yep. Yep, that's right. All right, Matthew 21, 18 through 32. Verse uh, 22 needs to be taken in context. And it's talking about like, um, it's talking about prayer. And and I, and I believe that um, if Jesus isn't saying that I'm a genie in the Bible, ask me for anything. In faith, if you ask in faith, then I'm going to grant you your wishes. He's not saying it that at all. He's saying he's talking about those with faith will see the end of the age and the coming of the next one. And so he's talking about what's going on in that particular time right now. And I do think that we will live a very disappointing life with the Lord if we believe that whatever we ask for in faith will be given to us. Because I know many women and many men that have genuine faith that have asked God for healing for a certain family member or whatever the case may be, and their faith is pure, and that that man or that woman wasn't healed or child wasn't healed. And I think that um, it's very important to look at the context. Um, I, when I was in school, I had a professor that said, what was the author's intended meaning? And so when we get to these verses that are a little bit hard to understand, be sure you take the time to look at the context. And then we get into Matthew 21, 23 through 27. And we can see how Jesus handles controversy. He counters their question with the question. And as I was reading it, I thought, you know what? When I have controversy in my life, I'm going to start asking more questions. It worked out really well for Jesus. He was a question guy. And so uh, what do you think about that? Or now you're going to know I tell. Like when I start, when there's controversy around here, I'm going to start asking questions. And you're going to be like, oh, shoot. That's a tough one. That's bro. from the Bible. I, I find a lot. I asked you first. <laughs> Oh, but it's true, right? It's a good strategy. It's a good strategy. Especially if you know everything. Mm -hmm. Like if you're Jesus, I mean, he knows everything. So like his his rebuttal questions are probably way better, or they are way better than anything we could come up with. So um, it's nice to when you can see the full picture and they can't to be able to rebuke their future question yeah and i highly recommend you read it it's kind of incredible matthew 21 23 through 27 and we're just going to keep going here for time purposes but seriously uh write that down and read it because it's beautiful it's the authority of jesus is, is questioned and again like the whole don't mistake kindness with weakness kind of vibe you get into verse 27 just to give you a highlight here and he says so they answered jesus we don't know then jesus said Neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. And so read it, like learn, like learn the personality of Jesus Christ. Because again, you can't imitate someone you don't know. Take the time to know Jesus. This is the word of God. And it's explaining very clearly who Jesus is. And um, the more I read, the more I love him. And so, uh, all right, we get into, um, I've lost my place here. Okay, we're still in Matthew 21, 33 through 22, 14. 
And Jesus is talking with Jewish leaders in both of these parables. And it seems that they picked up what Jesus was putting down and they didn't like it. So Jesus is making it clear that salvation is open to all who want to enjoy life in him and produce fruit. And so this is very controversial um, because he's basically setting the tone for Jews and Gentiles coming together as one big old family and, uh, and the Jewish leaders aren't, they're not liking that. And so then we get into the parable of the wedding banquet. And I think that the, the wedding banquet parable was always a place of confusion for me, but I'm, I'm feeling like I'm starting to understand it a little bit more now. So it's in Matthew 22. Um, and it's a parable that teaches us about the kingdom of God, that it, again, it's going to be full of people that submit to the terms set by the king. And so when we look at verses 11 and 12, but when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there was not wearing wedding clothes. And he asked him, how'd you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him foot and or tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's, we're planning a wedding right now in the holiday home and that's a bit extreme. But I think the picture that Jesus is trying to paint here is that we have to submit to the terms of the king. And um, the man wasn't dressed appropriately. He didn't have the garments on for the wedding feast. The king set the dress code. The king set the term. The king requires wedding clothes. And the man rebelled against the term set by the king and he was removed. Um, look, scripture teaches us that the road is narrow. Proper attire for the banquet was non-negotiable, according to the king. In order to enter the kingdom of heaven, we're required to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And the only way to get the appropriate garments for the wedding feast um, to be into like be accepted into the kingdom of heaven is to believe in Jesus Christ. The only way the father is through Christ alone and we will be given, you know, the robe of righteousness, right? Clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. Um, and I think that scripture is so full of grace um, that it's beautiful that this is cl a clear requirement. Jesus Christ is the clear requirement to be um, to enter the kingdom of heaven. So what do you think about that? I think it's, you know, like you talk about, like all these sort of parables and, and sometimes, you know, understanding, like most of it's very symbolic, right? Like mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily a real wedding where the guys just dressed wrong. Like this is symbolic of what God is, like what you explained. Like a lot of these things, if you just read them sort of out of context, it's, they can be very difficult to like, wait a second so this guy went to hell because he was wearing the wrong outfit like do i need to wear a suit to church or yeah that's right you know right. like it is what i wear really matter and and it's, it's it's more about the symbolism of what you talked about like you're you have to wear the, the righteousness of jesus in, in the presence of god because you can't save yourself mm -hmm. and when god sees us through the blood of christ then we we are saved and that he doesn't see our sin because of Jesus's sacrifice. And so um, basically we want to wear a clothing of blood. And so that when God sees us, um, we, we have a chance to be rekindled uh, with God through Jesus. Well, and I just think the important thing too with that is the king sets the terms. And so the terms are exactly what you said. And so we, we you know, the way to the father is through Jesus Christ, the son. Um, and scripture says that. And so I think that it's a 
it really there's consistency in scripture the bible interprets itself and that is a theme <laughs> like we're going to read about it again and again and again as we go through this journey and um in christ alone through faith alone by grace alone we receive salvation and so um and again we receive it we don't achieve it right so it's beautiful the consistency of scripture is beautiful so we get into matthew um 22 15 through 46 and there's more questions for jesus but my favorite part of this day when we read was just the greatest commandment and if we took it seriously i think our life would change quickly our sphere of influence would change quickly if we woke up every morning looking for ways to love god with every aspect of our lives um, and what if we loved our neighbors as we loved ourselves? That is radical living. Um, this commandment is the core of Christian ethics. So I, I don't know. I, I love the perspective shift that reading scripture every day has given me. Um, the word is truly alive and active. And, and I think when I read this, like, for example, like the alive and active part of scripture, when I read about the greatest commandment that on that day, I, I was looking for ways to love God more holistically and love my neighbor more holistically and be really excited about whoever was coming over for dinner that night and practicing hospitality and, and allowing people to come in um, with a cheerful heart on my end. And so, I don't know, I, I just think that scripture really can change our mindset for the day. And I think that it's so powerful um, if, if we start to get into a habit of reading the word of God and applying the word of God into our life. Um, and the greatest commandment is a really good way to do that. And so finally, on the last day here, um, we're in Matthew 23 through 25, 13. There's a couple highlights. Um, I, in particular for me, Matthew 23 is just, is really, really powerful. It taught Jesus is addressing hypocrisy and it doesn't seem like Jesus liked hypocrisy too much either. And so he's pretty, uh, it's it's pretty wild passage of scripture, but um, you know, I, I think all in all, like an aerial view of this is that the Christian should earnestly try to practice what we preach. Um, of course, we're not going to do it perfectly, but perfection is not a requirement for the Christian faith. But I do think that a sincere love for the Lord is a requirement for the Christian faith. And I don't think we should be lazy in our pursuit to be like Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes I have noticed that we can all get a little bit lazy. And so I, I just think that when we read Matthew 23, um, think about that Jesus didn't like hypocrisy either. And when we get into Matthew 23, 13 through 32, Jesus gives us an opportunity to think a little deeper about hypocrisy. Um, I thought a lot about Matthew 23, 25 through 27, when he uses these two examples of a, of a white cup and a white tomb. And he's saying external cleaning is worthless to Jesus. It's what's going on on the inside. This inside out kind of living is, is what's most important to the Lord. And we've talked about that before, like behavioral modification. No, thanks. I would rather have like uh, a raw, um, sincere person than somebody that has all the answers that paint that's like perfect on the outside. And I'm not into that. I'm into like, <laughs> you tell me the truth. I'll tell you the truth kind of vibe, you know? And um, I love that. I love Matthew 23, 25 through 27. And so um, external cleaning is worthless to the Lord. So he sees it all anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, I I just think that like, I don't know, like just the, the when God looks at our heart and like, I, I do think that like, 
you should be able to look back like if you're a christian and you've been a christian for a while you, sh you should see like evidence over the last five years of of, of you know what i'm saying like yeah. there should be growth like Absolutely. look there's mercy for our sin and there's like you know obviously tons of mercy and 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 but i, I think that and, and obviously behavior modification is, is not what we're looking for but through the love of christ and if you're really um, pursuing a life that, that wants to be like Jesus, then you should be able to look, look back and see fruit growing. And and obviously some areas are going to be probably going faster. Um, but I do think that like being able to look back and, and look at your life and go, okay, that's encouraging. I've seen growth in this area or that area of, of, of things that I struggled with um, or still struggling with. But you you know, being able to see growth is important and in, in, in the, in the sanctification process of um just like paul said like you can't just say oh grace and then just do whatever the heck you want that's right that's right yeah in romans and i think this is a fun fact and and then we'll close with matthew 24 but um a, the greek the greek word for hypocrite originally meant actor and it's like you know and so that's what he's saying is is don't be an actor like don't be fake you know and um this is so inappropriate but whatever like Drake has a song called fake love. And every time it comes on when the kids are listening to it in the car, I'm not a huge Drake fan, but we've got, we're raising a couple of Drake fans. But anyway, when that song comes on, this is what I think about is I think about that. Like what, what's happening? Like, let's be sincere. Let's sincerely love the Lord. Let's not be fake. Let's not, let's not be an actor. Well, you bust out a lot. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Matthew 24, the destruction of the temple and the signs of end times. Um, well, again, we, we may talk about this later. We might have somebody on the podcast at some point that can explain this with greater clarity than me, but this is, these are the big highlights for me is the day and the hour is unknown. However, believers need to live a life ready for the return of Christ, be alert, be faithful and surround yourself with like-minded community. And I do think that there's, um, it's so important to be alert and to be faithful and to really seek the kingdom of God while we're on this side of eternity we do not know um the day or the hour of christ's return but we do know that we're living in end times we've been living in end times since the day that jesus ascended into heaven and so and we are experiencing there's evidence that we're experiencing the birth pains um that was was talked about today when we were reading scripture in matthew 24 but be faithful and surround yourself with like-minded community and together we'll be able to uh to seek the kingdom of God. And so anyway, this is going to be great. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. keep going. Yep. All right. Thanks guys. Thank you for listening to table 40 with Matt and Leslie holiday, part of the sports spectrum podcast network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, visit sportspectrum.com.